0: It can happen in any church and it does believers today face division yes sometimes that division is the result of false teaching but other times it's because someone says well I want to be in charge we who are temples of the Holy Spirit Can begin to say to that spirit which guides us by God's word, well, I don't like where I'm being led and I don't like the lot that I'm facing, God. I want to be in charge. When these thoughts come up, they are not spoken in faith and by the spirit, but by that sinful heart in rebellion. Well, this happened in ancient Israel and the scene that we see in Numbers chapter 16 is a horrible mess. The Israelites were coming to a point now where something had to give. Something big had to happen here. The following is from Rock of Ages Lutheran Church in Payson, Arizona. Reaching out with Rock Solid Hope in Rim Country. March 24th, 2019. Number 16, 23 to 40. You've gone too far. No, you have gone too far. Probably heard something like this spoken before the sense of someone exceeding their limitations and what they should be doing. Well, this happened in ancient Israel. And the scene that we see in Numbers chapter 16 is a horrible mess. Three of the men chose to lead the people in opposition to, Mo- to Moses. And the, the scene that follows is many of the Israelites following them against their leader. And they're coming to the point of boiling over. And Israel appears to be a complete mess as they're wondering who's in charge and, and who should they be following? Well, this morning we look at that section of number 16 as we continue our sermon series now on fighting temptation. And this morning we ask how do you fight temptation when you feel like you want to be in charge? See, this rebellion didn't happen overnight. We can look back and see how it was pretty clear that things were pretty tense between Moses and the people. In fact, it was just less than two years ago that they were very upset with him because he led them out of Egypt and they were trapped between the army of Egypt and the sea. And when they made it past that at Rephidim and they were thirsty, it says that they were so upset with Moses that they were ready to stone him to death. And then after about two years' time, they finally made it to the promised land where Moses said he was going to bring them. But the people did not trust the Lord that he was going to give it to them. And Moses had to declare, Then you are going to die in the wilderness. And they turned back away from the promised land and were simply left now doomed to die in the wilderness. And they charged and blamed Moses for not fulfilling his promise. Now they had reached the point of boiling over. Now many of the Israelites were quite upset with the way that things had gone and what their lot in life was. And so three men, Korah, he's a Levite, and also Dathan and Abiram, two Reubenites, led the people in rebellion. And many of them followed them. In fact, 250 of the leaders of the people and the elders joined with them in opposition to Moses. And they made the charge to Moses, You have gone too far. You haven't brought us to the promised land, and they blame Moses for that. And you cannot continue to lead this people. We're just as holy as you, Moses. And we have every right to lead them. And Moses and Aaron fell face down, not just in grief, but distress and frustration. And Moses, we read later on, says back to them, no, you have gone too far. And so the Israelites were coming to a point now where something had to give. Something big had to happen here. Schisms, divisions happen, even in God's church. You think of all places that in the church of Israel, as Moses was leading them, that this would be one of those body of believers that wouldn't face division. After all, they're the ones that were, as we read earlier, were delivered to the sea. And that army that opposed them destroyed. And when they thirsted, water came from the rock. When they hungered, food from heaven. God's word directly given to them. They had the privilege of serving God and his people with his word and his tabernacle. And God was fighting on their side. And yet, schisms, division happened. If it can happen in such a setting, in such a church, it can happen in any church. And it does. The believers today face division. Yes, sometimes. That division is the result of false teaching. But other times it's because someone says, well, I want to be in charge. And this can happen with us too. I know how it is when I might be tempted to think that by my own efforts or by my own abilities, I deserve to be in charge. And I should have more weighty decision and sway around here because after all, I've, You know, I've graduated from the seminary, just like my classmates. And instead of looking to God, who called me to serve him, I look to my own pride and my own rights. And I might begin to reason, well, maybe I should be making decisions in this synod, not our our synod president. I could do a better job, even if I could. And don't you sometimes slip into that too where you know you understand right that we cannot serve god of our own right but yet it still comes up the complaints the disagreements the the thought that well if i was in charge i'd be doing things better around here if i was on the council if i made the decisions and suddenly complaints and the sinful hearts begin to clamor for having control in charge where god has not given it we might end up with this same rebellious attitude. What does God say? Well, (laughs) the people should have known better. They said to Moses, you have appointed yourself over this assembly. First of all, Moses had not appointed himself. We, We know that when we read back and we see. When God called Moses, Moses was reluctant. Moses did not take upon himself to be the leader of Israel. Rather, God called him. God said, the place you are standing is holy ground and I will give you words to speak to my people. Moses did not come by his own right or his own appointment, but God called him to serve. And had the people missed out, had they not noticed what God had been teaching them when he set up his arrangements for the people. Two million of the people left in the wilderness and marched. And their encampment and marching orders displayed that all the people were to surround the tribe of Levi. And the Levi, in the the center of the people, were to surround the tabernacle or tent of God. His presence among his people and the center of their worship. And that tent too separated the Levites with the surrounding barrier, which only a few could enter. And those few who could offer up sacrifice on the altar, of them only a few could do it with ceremonially clean hands. And further separated beyond the washing basin and the altar was the tabernacle inner tent, Only a handful could then approach God and offer sacrifice and incense. And even beyond that, the most holy place, it's called, the curtain separating the rest of them. Only one man, the high priest, and only that, once a year, and even only then when he made certain he was ceremonially clean, could come into God's presence. And then... God's presence was found as the Ten Commandments were contained in that box, the Ark. And the Ark itself was covered by wings, bronze wings of angels, further symbolizing you cannot come into the presence of a holy God. Sin divides us from our God. The people missed that. Had They not noticed that they had no right to approach their God. But well, when they came with this charge, And said to Moses, We have every right, we are just as holy, and we can serve in charge too. Moses came up with an arrangement that would allow God to decide. You see, God is so holy that even when Aaron's sons, two of his sons, came uninvited to offer incense before the Lord, fire came out and had consumed them and killed them. So Moses says, right, if, if you want to be in charge, if you want to take the role of priest and rule this people and be the head, then let's have you come before the Lord tomorrow. Have every one of you, 250 of you, bring your bronze censers and offer incense before the Lord. The next morning, they did it, boldly, bringing those censers to offer incense before the Lord. Two of those men, leaders of the people, wouldn't even listen to Moses and stayed at their tents. And so Moses goes to them and says, separate from these men, from Datham, Datham, and Abiram. Don't even touch anything belonging to them. Move aside. And if they die an unnatural death and the earth swallows them up, then you know I'm not doing what I do because I've set myself up. And that these men are in contempt of the Lord. And Moses wasn't even finished speaking, it says, when the earth listened and obeyed and God opened up the mouth of the earth to swallow them alive. And they went down to their graves and the earth closed over them. And their screams as the earth was swallowing them up so terrified the rest of the Israelites, they ran away screaming, the earth is going to swallow us too. Meanwhile, back by the temple, those 250 who were offering up their incense were consumed as fire came out from the presence of the Lord, and nothing was left behind save the ashes and the bronze censers. God was serious about those who come into his presence. Why is this written down? We read earlier as the Apostle Paul tells us. I do not want you to be ignorant of the fact, brothers and sisters, that our forefathers were all under the cloud. They all passed through the sea. They were all baptized in the Moses. They ate the same spiritual food and drink. Nevertheless, God was not pleased with most of them. Their bodies were scattered over the desert. These things occurred as examples to keep us from setting our heart on evil things. These things happened to them as examples and were written down as warnings for us on whom the fulfillment of the ages has come. See, you and I, much like the people of Israel, are blessed with great privilege from our God. We're told, as Peter writes to the uh, Christians, God has made us holy. Just as Korah and the rest could claim every one of us is holy, we too can say through faith we are holy. And God too has given us his word, brought us close to himself so that we can come before his presence and stand and offer sacrifice before him. And yet, every one of us, too, needs to hear the warning which God has given to not take charge or to to seek more than what God has given us. Not only can you and I begin to claim that we want to be in charge in things in the church, but also in our own lives. We who are temples of the Holy Spirit can begin to say to that spirit which guides us by God's word, well, I don't like where I'm being led, and I don't like the lot that I'm facing, God. I want to be in charge. And rebellion can occur. And when these thoughts come up, they are not spoken in faith and by the Spirit, but by that sinful heart in rebellion. What ought God to do to hearts that rebel against his authority? The rest of this account in Numbers 16 concludes with the rest of those who had followed Korah. The next day they continued to resist and to complain. And we see that 15,000 by the end of these two days were put to death by the Lord. Consider that. That's that's the population of Payson. 15,000 died, further impressing on us just how serious this account is as a warning to watch out for rebellion and seeking to be in charge. But God did not put them all to death. God provided a way out. Though their hearts were rebellious and so many had turned aside and they were willing to get rid of Moses and take charge and approach the Lord on their own accord, God still had mercy. He spoke to Eliezer, son of Aaron, and had them offer up a sacrifice on behalf of the people. And the destruction stopped. And the people were allowed to live and continue as God's people. They were allowed to continue to have the priest offer sacrifices before the Lord. They were continued and allowed to be the people of God and carry his word. God is rich in mercy. Even for a heart and world, even for people like Israel and his own church today that has a rebellious heart, he still comes in mercy. And he still invites us into his presence. Peter writes, God brought Jesus, the one who is perfect and righteous, who had no sin to be sin for us, that we might be brought to God and brought into his presence. He's the the one man, Jesus, who could rightly approach God's throne. Jesus, when, when he walked this earth, picture him. Never once did he complain that he was not in charge, but he said, I came to do the will of the one who sent me. And Jesus, even as he faced the most difficult lot any could ever face, said, Father, not my will, but yours be done. And the perfect, holy Son of God approached the very throne and presence of the Father on the cross as he offered up what only he could as priest offer up, the sacrifice for every rebellion and every sin of every heart, yours and mine. And so Peter can rightly say, Christ died for sins, the righteous for the unrighteous, to bring you to God. And Peter can rightly tell us as God's people, you are a holy nation, a people belonging to God, a royal priesthood. And we don't have to assert ourselves. We can simply hear God say of us, you are my holy people. You have access to my throne. And what does this mean? This means we can now serve our God. We can come before him with sacrifices of thanksgiving, offer our very selves as living sacrifices of praise and thanks for the one who interceded for us. And yes, there is one who is in charge, our God who controls and rules over all things. And yet he who is in charge invites us, tells us, to ask whatever we want, to make any request in his name. And he hears and he answers. You want to be in charge? Look to Jesus, who brought you to the presence of God, who gave you access to the throne of God, and who now, the humble Savior who died, now lives, so that you can live as those who are really, in a sense, with more authority than you ever deserved. When the priest gathered up those censers, they hammered them and put them on the cover of the bronze altar, reminding them that God is going to provide a sacrifice. That sacrifice is Christ. And because of his once-given sacrifice as our great priest, you and I have access to the very throne of God. And when we want to have that rebellious heart and say, I want to be in charge. We simply step back and we, yes, we look to the rebellion that took place, and Korah's rebellion, and we learn from that. We look what followed, and the mercy of God, and the provision that He gave for rebellious people, and the access He now gives us to be holy in His sight. To Him who is Head, be praise and honor and glory forever. Amen.